Hello, and welcome to Raise the Bar. My name is Troy Haynes. I'm your host here on the Sky High and Fly Jump Camps podcast. Uh, today, my guest is uh, Ryan Sanders. He is the owner and operator of Next Phase Athletics, and he is the current uh, jumps and sprints and hurdles and does a little bit of everything coach at Soka University here in Southern California. Um, been talking with him at meets for uh, two years now. Started rubbing elbows there, but uh, was following him on Instagram, um, watching his work, and uh, <clears throat> he started uh, recruiting some of my high school jumpers to uh, his university. Uh, that was before I got my Vanguard job, and uh, we've just you know hit it off, had a good time talking and and sharing you know ideas and and uh, motivations and things like that. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So looking forward to sitting down with Ryan, and we'll get him in here to the the chat room in just a second and we'll get started. So uh, stay tuned and have those uh, notes ready for um, another episode of Raise the Bar with Troy Haynes. Good, good, good. Awesome. Look at you, you got all your your officialness behind you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we just got done with um, with lifting weights, so I'm still in the office. But, right. but yeah, I had to how to get the, the background going. Awesome. Well, hey, welcome to Sky High and Flight Jump Camps podcast. This is Raise the Bar. I'm your host, Troy Haynes, and I'm joined today by Ryan Sanders, who is the um, founding, what do I want to say, the founding, the owner of Next Phase Athlet Athletics. Yes. So the jumps coach at Soka University. Here yes, in sir. Yeah. Yeah. Did I get all that right? Yep. And, yeah. So, so at Soka, I do actually do the jumps. I do the jumps as well as the sprints and the hurdles. So, that's right. You're the only one I ever see out there. Are you like <laughs> the whole staff? No, I do the head coach. He does the distance and the um, cross country, cross country stuff, and does all the all the other stuff, all the behind the scenes, you know, administrative stuff and everything like right. that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I when I say you're the only one that I ever see, that's also um, most people will tell you that I'm not the most observant person. So I'm usually pretty tunnel visioned on mm -hmm. whatever it is that I happen to be doing. <laughs> so if yeah. I don't see the rest of what's going on around me, it's like, I'll have people afterwards go, Hey, did you see, you know, so-and-so did this, you know, at the meet. And I'm, if it wasn't in the jumps that I was watching, oblivious, yeah, yeah. completely mm -hmm. oblivious. <laughs> no, yeah, I, know how I broke goes. the world record and this and that. Really? Oh, great. <laughs> Wish I'd have seen it. So, yeah. All right, so hey, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? I don't, I don't know much. I just know that uh, I've seen you uh, both in person now for a couple of years, and and was seeing your work on Instagram, which is where I first came across you. And I know you're up into the the teens, fourteen thousand followers, and all that on Instagram, which is a pretty impressive number. Yeah. So how did we get to this place? Yeah. So I mean, I've been I've been around track and field for now I guess it'll be half my half my life um mm -hmm. started in high school started with the jumps you know that that's my primary focus um that I deal with is, is the jumps I started out with high jump back in high school um and then matriculated to long and triple jump um so in high school I did all three events um I think I made it CIF in all three events um after high school I when I went to college, I dropped the high jump because I'm not the tallest person out there. So, <laughs> so it was hard. It was hard, you know, having people already having a, a leg up on me in that regard. 
Um, and then after college, I dropped the the long jump because I was I was um, nationally ranked in the triple jump. So I was like, OK, let me keep going with this. Right. Um, and, you know, I've always been kind of a, you know, as, as my career now, I'm a coach um slowly kind of transitioning into a full-time coach as opposed to a um, coach slash athlete or athlete slash coach um but I've always been a kind of a, a player coach as 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 you would as you would say um back in high school college um even even after after college I was called I've called it, always kind of had that um that kind of identity with me you know where I just like to you know pass on the knowledge that I've been that I've been given through the many years that I've been been coached and stuff like that. Right. Um, I've had many coaches during my during my career. You know, some great ones, some not so great ones. Right. So you you learn from from your experiences. So I you learn what to take away from the the uh, the good coaches and and learn not learned what to not do from the from the bad coaches. <laughs> and so um, right. yeah, just with that and with with the Instagram, you know, it's just it's just really you know posting posting what I do, you know, posting what I do and posting what, um, not necessarily what I think people want to see, you know, because if, if you, if you go, if you go off that, then it becomes more of a, more of a job than, than anything. Right. So I post what, what I do, um, and what, and what I like to see, right. It's kind of really just my Instagram is kind of a, a memory lane of, you know, my, my, uh, my career and also, you know, my athlete's career and my coaching career. Um, so, you know, I guess people like to see that, you know, so I, I just, you know, I just try to share it as much as I can, you know, I try to give, give tips when people send me messages and stuff like that as much as I can. But um, really, it's just about posting what, what I do and you kind of just, just, you know, building that kind of um, portfolio, you know, on my page. Right. Yeah. Well, um, so the one thing I didn't get out of all that, which was uh, an amazing recap. Um, where where did you go to high school, and then where did you go to to college? You, you did your high school. Yes. At so I went to high school in Walnut, California. I went to Walnut High School. Okay. Um, and then so that's kind of kind of by city city of industry area over. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's very hard to pinpoint it, but I went to Walnut High School. Then after high school, I went to Mount San Antonio College. I went to Mount Sac. I was gonna say you're right um, on top of Mount Sac, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I was coached by um Ernie Gregoire, Coach G, legendary Coach G. Um, matter of fact, he was my coach, you know, after I after I graduated from college too. I, he coached me for about two years um until I moved out here. And then definitely the commute was just was just a lot. Um yeah. and then after Mount Sac, I did a I did a stint in Boise at Boise State for like a year or so um wasn't really vibing with the weather so i yeah. transferred back out here to um, cal state long beach and i finished up at long beach in 2016 with a with a degree in um human bachelor's of arts and, and human development you're just a kid just a kid you just graduated a little back goes 2016 man i'm old oh <laughs> <laughs> 2016 so you worked with andy scythe at yeah I worked with andy scythe mm. state okay um, so yeah, a, gr a great resume there. Um, when you said Walnut, my brain went to Tony Atkins, who was a, an intermediate hurdler and triple jumper and long okay. jumper, I believe at Walnut. And he came to UCLA with me along with Steve Kerho and some others, uh, that class of 82. Okay. Uh, he actually broke the national record in the highs, I think in the prelims 
at the state meet and then Kerho broke it back mm. to, to take the title that year. Yeah, okay. He won the highs and the lows at uh, state, which basically won the state meet for Mission Viejo because he, I think it was 20 points, you know, each event back then. I forget this. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, there may have been others in there. I, I may be misspeaking, but I just seem to remember he was the team that year. Um, but yeah, Tony was there for a couple of years. So you said Walnut and I, I thought Mount Sac and you said Mount Sac. So that makes sense. Um, mm, yeah. So um, you said you were nationally ranked and in, in the triple. And uh, the other thing you said that was amazing to me and you're selling yourself short is that you qualified for CIF in three events. That's not easy to do. Those of you that are, that are listening, I'm sure, um, you know, I, I always tell my athletes, I go, did you ever do anything else, coach? And I'm like, no. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody asked me to do anything else they never mm. said, oh, I should try the long jump or the triple jump or something because I wasn't super fast you know I could jump over stuff that was about it and I gave pole vaulting a little shot you know but uh most most jump coaches will figure out pretty quickly if if you can jump in one thing you should probably try the other two and yeah uh, you know <laughs> so that 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 wasn't that wasn't my coach um i remember i was coached by andrea allman so i know they um at walnut high school the allman people they were like legendary there because i think andrea allman she was like caf champ like like um back to back back years and stuff like that at walnut but when i was there i was doing high jump i did high jump at first because obviously i went or obviously i went to I did track to get faster for football, you know, that's what that's what everybody does. Right. So I did that because I played football, unfortunately, for my first two years of high school. And I went out to track to, to try to get faster for, for football. Um, and I started out with the my for the first event I actually even attempted was hurdles. Um, and I saw one of my one of my good friends doing high jump. So I was like, oh, let me go over there and try that. And kind of just stuck with that. Um, I remember so I did high jump and then I did high jump and long jump for, for the longest time or what seems like the longest time. Um, and I wanted to try triple jump, but my coach wouldn't let me. Right. So one day we were high jumping and then with, with her back turned, cause we had a high, we had the high jump like up by the, by the, um, by the track, like on the, you know, where it usually is on the, on the, on that kind of on the inside of the, the turn. Mm -hmm. that, and then we had our, um, long jump and triple jump pits down, um, like down the hill a little bit. So we were doing high jump and she had her back turned. So I ran, ran down to try to triple jump. And I jumped my first jump. I jumped, I jumped forty feet, right? And I guess that was that was a that was a thing, right? Because everybody was all impressed. Um, and then so I I'd been triple jumping as my premier event since then. Mm -hmm. Um, I jumped. I remember my the the progression of my triple jump kind of picked up really really fast, you know, in my senior year. Um, because my my first first like I said, my first ever triple jump was forty feet, you know. Forty feet, even at practice, you know, from whatever I just started running from whatever mm -hmm. mark, um, <laughs> and then um, and I jumped forty-two feet, and I jumped forty-four feet, and I jumped forty-five three, and then I jumped um, my PR in high school was forty-six eight, um, and this was all my my senior year, you know, right. which is which is, you know, why I probably did go to a a bigger school outside of you know Mount Sac, right. but you know I'm perfectly happy with my experience at Mount Sac. I don't think I would have, would have changed my um, path at all. You know, if I, if I was, if I had more knowledge, you know, back then as I do now. Um, but that's kind of how, how that went. Right. So I wasn't really, I wasn't the, you know, prodigy triple jumper um, from the beginning. Yeah. 
Well, um, then at uh, Mount Sac, how how did it go after that? You said you you became nationally ranked. Was that uh, at both the JC and the the uh, four year level? So that was that was actually a year after I graduated from Cal State Long Beach. Um, it, at Mount Sac, I you know I I did fairly well. I, I would say I think my like I said my PR going into Mount Sac was forty six eight. Freshman year, I jumped forty nine nine. So wow. you know that's a big you know difference and that and that really you know i i can say that you know that was more my coach you know than than anything right obviously i'm the one out there jumping but but definitely right. um how how he coached me um because how he coached me right is how i coach my athletes you know because i've seen that it works you know that's a, that's what i know obviously i have my little um different your own spin on certain yeah things. my own spin on things you know but a majority of it is, you know, kind of coach G's kind of style of um, coaching. Yeah. Uh, and then, so 49, nine, and then I got, I was runner up at, at the state meet. So I jumped 49 and some change. I think I can't remember the exact distance, but on the last jump, um, this guy who I had been kind of battling with all season, you know, right around 49, 49 feet. I think he was, he was a little bit below me in the, in the rankings of the, of the state um, before the meet. He jumped, he, he wanted to jump 50 feet on this last jump, right. <laughs> and just take the gold from me. So that, so that happened. And then sophomore year, um, kind of a slump. I think I jumped 49, nine again, you know, I, I was always like, you know, kind of hoping for that 50 feet, right. The, that magical number of 50 feet, yeah. or 15 meters, 25 or 24 centimeters, once something, something around there. Um, but it you know, never came, you know, but I ended up being the, the state champion that year. Nevertheless, um, I think I jumped 4710 to, mm -hmm. to win a title. So it wasn't a crazy competition by, by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I was I was the best on that day. And, you know, sometimes yeah. all, that's all it takes. Yep. absolutely. Um, and then and after Mount Sac, um, I had a year between Boise, between Mount Sac and Boise because you know I wasn't the best student so right so definitely if you're if you're listening to this and you're a student right make sure you really take your academics seriously because this is this was this was probably this will probably be the easiest time in your life to be able to do that kind of stuff right right absolutely um so so definitely so I stayed stayed the year at Mount Sac um I finally jumped 50 feet you know competing unattached um still working under the coach G um then I transferred to Boise State um not the greatest of times there, you know, with the with the um, athletic staff and just um, obviously the weather, right? Coming from Southern California, I've been there my whole life. Ne never seen snowfall before. I remember, <laughs> I remember we were practicing one day um, and it was, I think it was first semester. Yeah, it was, I think it, was, it had to have been November or December, right? So, so in the dead of winter um, and we had we had an indoor facility, but I don't think it was it was rented out to us yet. So we still we were practicing outside in the dead of winter in Boise, Idaho. Right. So me and my friend, um, Roderick Townsend, we were we were practicing. I remember I remember distinctly me and him were wearing peak coats out mm -hmm. in practice. Um it was snowing and it was just it was all bad. Right. So then so transfer <laughs> to um transfer to Cal State Long Beach. Um Andy Seid was the head coach there. Um, and my jumps, yeah. yeah, my jumps coach I had one at the time. Um, name is name is, you know, kind of leaving my head right now. If I if I think of it, I'll I'll shout him out. But um, but ended up 
PRing there a couple of times, you know, 51-3, 51-9. And that was that was kind of the extent of my collegiate career. And after college, um, went back to start working with Coach G again, um, jumped 52 feet. And then um, then one then one day at the Brian Clay um, Invitational, I was jumping with Christian Taylor. Of course he of course he won, right? I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna say I won, but he he won. Um, but I ended up jumping um, 53 feet, wow. so 16 16.15 meters. That's my current PR there. Um, and the funny thing about that is, you know, hindsight is 2020, right? So we were jumping and my coach, you know, had the idea we were going to double. We were going to jump at Brian Clay and then jump at Long Beach the next day. Um, so took my first three jumps. I think it was like 1550, somewhere around there, 1585 or 89 and then um 1615 right and then i was all i was all happy you know but then you know i listened to my coach right so i'm like okay we'll shut it down and we'll um we'll jump again tomorrow right i should have kept jumping you know right. probably, probably would have jumped 1630 or something like that right because you know i'm the, the type of athlete where i, I can you can coach so well I, I can adjust right if i yeah. need to if i see something that i need to do better right i, I can do it better the next jump um it doesn't always happen like that you know i like to think i could do that right sure but, but um definitely that's always a goal i think the next day at long beach, at long beach i jumped 51 five or something like that so that's not bad for doubling but right. you know it, when you think about what what could have been you know so that year i was nationally ranked i was ranked i think top 25 in the nation um and that's just you know that, that's with everybody the unattached athletes college right. athletes everything like that so so that's why that's why i kind of stuck with um triple jump as my premier event now okay so now now you're saying you're transitioning into coaching as a full-time job does that mean the jumping career is over officially i'm still kind of weighing my uh my options right because obviously i have you know a a great I'm at a great place here at Soka that you know allows me time to you know still be able to train and still be able to compete and stuff like that um so I'm kind of just seeing where seeing where it take what takes me what takes me next um because I'm taking a kind of a hiatus off the of, off the of training now because you know it's yeah I never would have thought you know that I would be kind of this or the kind of person but it's you know it's been good for my mental health right to kind of just take some time off Mm-hmm. Um, cause definitely I, I was training, training this fall. Um, and I had big plans for this, for the season. I wanted to compete at the, you know, U S indoor championships. I wanted to compete at outdoor U S championships and everything like that. So I was training, training, training. And then I jumped at, um, the leap fest that Keenan Briggs has. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I jumped, I think, I don't even think I jumped 50 feet that day. I jumped 49 something, right. I don't even know, know what the exact distance was because, it's not something I want to have attached to my name, right? <laughs> um, I was jumping from <clears throat> ten or twelve steps, which jumped forty nine feet. So that that was kind of disappointing, right? I was doing all this training and and then to jump, you know, not to not have the mark reflect that, you know. So I kind of just took a step back, just just to take some time off, because you know, like as my my wife says, you know, I'm kind of I've kind of been, you know, going at it season after season after season, you know, for. 15 years right so i've never had a season off so it's like kind of just taking some time to you know relax and reflect and really focus on you know the athletes that i have and everything like that not that i don't focus on them but i can really 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 focus on, on them right? um but yeah uh, excuse me 
<clears throat> it's interesting you're talking about that transition because um, I remember it was, I don't know how everybody else does it, but when I got done at UCLA, I immediately, <clears throat> it was, um, I had just finished taking a year off to train to try to get to the Olympic trials. So I trained with Baru Elias down at Long Beach City and <clears throat> great high, long and triple coach, you know, to all three and um, had a great year, but, you know, never quite got the trial height and and shut it down. I went back to school. So I made my mom that promise. If I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't go anywhere or, or do whatever, I I took the year off from UCLA. She goes, you better go back and get your degree. I was like, yeah, I'm, I plan on it. I just, you mm -hmm. know, wanted to take the year. I knew how hard it was to train in college. I thought, you know, I mean, later on you find out that being in college is nice because you have facilities. <laughs> you don't have to be yeah. big. And yeah, yeah. The weight room's right there and you roll your ankle, you can go to the training room, you know. But um I found you also have you also have teammates too, right? Yeah, oh, teammates, you have motivation, you have people to train with. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's it's really there's not a real great support system as you know for athletes once you get out of college. So um but that the mindset was different too because I you know, I basically was just had graduated in the fall of 88 and now I'm in a grad, no place to go to school. None of that mm -hmm. stuff. And it was like, my mom says, well, why don't you go to orange coast college and see if they needed uh, any help, you know? So I, uh, I've walked down there and they hired me on the spot, you know? So yeah, you can do the jumps, you know? I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I mean, I had never really thought about coaching. I'd, I'd helped out a little bit in 87 when i took the year off from I, I didn't take a year off that year 87 was a year i was wandering around campus in a fog because i had graduated off the team so i became okay. this i don't even know what that is when you're there hmm. like i'm still in school but i wasn't on the team and the team went to the nc2a's finals and won it all that year which was infuriating for me of I'm course i'm stoked that they did it but you know I was off the team and I never redshirted, which if I had, I would have been on that team. So I was, that was, that was annoying. And then I was just kind of wandering around in a fog. I didn't know what to do. I was, cause my whole identity to me was being on the team and mm -hmm. then get these great marks and, you know, get the platform to go to the Olympics and all that. And it was kind of over. And, you know, I did a little helped out with some of the decathletes with the high jump and that was about it, you know, just kind of wandered around. So yeah, that transition into coaching was just weird because I didn't think ever about it. I didn't realize all the time that I'd been training, working so hard to get me better that it might make me a coach someday. I, had never, mm. <laughs> I don't know why, but it, it just never went that way. So, um, and then you talked about how you're still competing. You know, I was doing the same thing. I'm 22 or 23 and I'd come pretty close to getting to the trial height. So I'm like, Hey, I just got to go back and, you know, work a little harder, get some lifting in, you know, work mm -hmm. with the and, and do all that. And that's what happened in 88. And that was okay. But then it was over. And then now you're in that quasi period. I'm in my mid twenties and I didn't have a job, you know, I'm still, I was getting a $2,500, you know, a season stipend at yeah. most back in that time. Right. So I'm waiting tables. Like I did nothing with my degree in kinesiology, you know, just kind of, mm -hmm. cause it's hard to, you know, I know some people get like, you're talking about, they get jobs and then you kind of have to, you kind of have to do one or the other really difficult to do both, you know, if yeah. you start working at any kind of a decent job, when are you going to train? 
you know, <laughs> you don't have any time. So then, you, you know, I've seen people try to do that, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's, it's like if you join a frat when you're in college and you're in a sport, you know, I, I don't know how many people mm-hmm. were able to do both, but in my experience, it was very few. <laughs> I knew so many people that came in and they were on the track team and they go, yeah, I'm joining this frat. And I'm like, they'll never last. <laughs> That's all I thought was, yeah. they'll never yeah, last, yeah. you know, because they're doing all this crazy stuff and they go get you up in the morning and they make you go out and drink and this and that. I'm like, they're not going to make it, you know, because if you make that choice, mm-hmm. kind of made that choice and, you know, you can only serve one master, right? So, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting thing. We've never really talked about it here before that, <clears throat> that transition into coaching, you know, so I know you're, you're walking a fine line there between, like you said, being heavily involved in the team, but still trying to keep your career alive and, mm-hmm. you know, balancing the two is, is pretty delicate, you know, and, yeah. and you're married, right. And you got, you got that side of your life. So. Yeah. Yeah. Married and have, have a kid. She's two. She just turned two on March 3rd. So she's a, she's a handful, a great, great handful, you know, but that's, that's definitely <laughs> something else. Right. But I mean, but I mean, in regards to the train, in, in regards to training, right. I can, I can train. Training is, is, you know, is I can, I'm able to do that, you know, because the staff is so, you know, just flexible, I guess, here, the working hours are so flexible here, you know, obviously I'm a full-time um, assistant coach, you know, but I'm able to, you know, sneak out, get some weightlifting and sneak out, get a jump session in or something like that. Right. Um, but the hard thing, you know, for me, um, when it comes to like scheduling and stuff like that is really trying to find, um, meets to jump at, you know, cause we know we're always competing, you know, we're always competing on the weekend. So it's like, Oh, when am I going to have time to jump? Right. I, I always have to find like a hole in the, in the, um, in the schedule now, right, right. there. Right. Okay. We're not competing this weekend. So I can go jump this weekend, you know, or it's either that or I wait till, till the season's over. You know, there's always some meets in, in late, late May, you know, yeah. early that I can do to try to get a last market. chance qualifiers yeah yep exactly right but that then then you're really put just putting all your eggs in one basket right so you know it's it's definitely definitely a juggle there um but also also with that is just really you know to be you know transparent is you know the motivation you know is to, to go out there you know by yourself or to go in there by yourself mm-hmm. and the ways and stuff like that you know it's uh, it's sometimes it's it's hard to muster up that motivation to to go out and, and train right because track is not an easy sport you know it, it's like right. it's very i was talking with somebody a couple of days ago and this it's a very it's a very like raw sport like you can't you can't game plan your way to a victory like you could in basketball or football or anything like that not right. taking anything away from those sports but like for the, the 100 meters if, if you're not if if you're not fast that day you're not you're not going to win you know, yeah. you can't you can't be like, oh, you can't take a timeout and be like, okay, let me draw a play or something like that. No, if, <laughs> right. if, if you, you're either gonna be fast or you're you're not, right? And that that comes from from training. You know, you you don't just show up to the meet and are fast. You know, and that comes from many many months of, of training. You know, perfecting your craft and stuff like that. Um, and I think that gets that gets lost in some of the athletes nowadays, right? right. Is the, the work that you need to put in to be where you want to be. You know, at the end, everybody's always thinking about oh, state champions and um, qualifying for this, that, and the other. You know, but there's a there's a lot of work that needs to go into it. You know, it's sometimes yeah. hard to find the motivation to do that work to to get where you want to be. Um, but yeah, yeah. I when you're thinking, I was thinking about you were talking about motivation and and how hard training is. You know, um, 
one of the best years I remember having was was following one of the worst, which was my freshman year. When I got to UCLA, I was was a 6'3", 180-pound, you know, former free safety in football with a five-flat 40 time, just slow white dude. <laughs> you know, always had hops, but, you know, and was did pretty well my senior year, had, you know, a, a decent run, and then, you know, got a, got to walk on at UCLA, which was funny because I – I tell the kids now, you know, if you jump 210 in high school now, all these kids I see on my feed, they go anywhere they want. <laughs> it's like mm. <clears throat> they'll bend over backwards for you. For me, I, I walked on and I was number seven on the depth chart at UCLA my my freshman year. So um, and I quickly jumped myself into a hole because I put on 15 pounds, you know, man body showed up, you know, mm. and, and a quick, you know, dorm food and, and all that stuff, whatever. I did a little bit of lifting, but really nothing spectacular and, and promptly went down to six, eight. I think I did six, eight once had a terrible year and, you know, the whole adjustment thing to college, you know, I've never really had a, a podcast on that, but it's, it's come up, you know, before, but it's like, there's an adjustment period there and, you know, goal realignment and little reality uh -huh. checks. And, you know, I, I found out that even though they were killing us in workouts in the fall, and I don't know if you remember wandering into your classes half asleep in the morning mm -hmm. right, from mm -hmm. those fall workouts. But I remember being like, man, I'm just, I don't have anything left in the tank, you know? So that, that was weird. But then, you know, that was highly motivational because that second year I was like, Hey, I'm either, you know, I'm either going to do something about this or I'm going to disappear, you know, off the face of the map. So it was like, yeah, that was highly motivational to get in the weight room. <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, you know, that wasn't until I, I did full squats over 400 pounds and did, you know, that was my max, but, um, you know, uh, hang cleans around 285, you know, I was doing some great explosive jump work and that year magically transformed into a, you know, 218, you know, seven, two year, uh -huh. uh, and just, and ended up taking jumps at seven, four, you know, and that was the Olympic qualifying height, you know, and that yeah. came nowhere. I mean, I had, that wasn't even on my radar. My radar was like, I would like to jump seven feet. And mm. if I seven, two, I had talked to Bob Larson when I was a freshman and said, what would it take to get a scholarship here? And he laughed at me and he said, seven, two, you know, and I was like, okay, that was highly motivational. But it was like, I, I realized now too, like, I only had one of the year like that. My, my sophomore year was like that. My junior year, I actually did a downslide again. Mm. And then my, you know, I don't, I, we, I was talking with someone recently about this. Maybe you can confirm this, Ryan. There's um something about the difference between men and women. Somebody was telling me that men, a lot of times their senior year is like this huge motivational thing. And then someone I've, it wasn't, and I don't think it was a guy telling me this, but they said, you know, that women are different. Sometimes that senior year, they just mm -hmm. are done, you know, for some reason, like, you know, and I was like, I'm trying to think of that. I'm like, I can't, I don't know why it wouldn't be motivational for someone else. For me, that was my senior year. That was it. I mean, I just went for it. So that was the two years that I remember training, you know, like a beast in the way mm. and doing everything possible. But what I remember was a difference between those two years too. that middle year was when I walked back into the weight room that following year, I remember looking there, looking around, just kind of going like, like, that's a lot of work, you know? Yeah. And it, it was hard for me to generate that every time. Like I have a, a deep appreciation for people that 
continue to excel year after year after year, like these guys in the NFL and and in basketball and baseball and different sports, when you the real greats that are just always, you know, dead on and and you know they have to be putting in the work. They're either unbelievably talented or they got to be working their butts off like everybody else, you know. Yeah. And, and you got to put that that work in, you know, like like you're saying, it's like, man, I finding the motivation you know, was, was hard, you know, even those years when I was training for the trials and I really had nothing else in the way. And I thought I was training hard and everything it was like, man, it's just, you know, getting in there and, and grinding uh, for mm-hmm. me in the weight room. I could do it, but I, I also find sometimes that, you know, after a long break, sometimes getting back in the weight room is kind of cool. But after a little while, I remember just, I'll just look around and go, because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's hard on you, you know, getting in there and getting beat up, but you know, you've got to do it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, what's, what's next on the, uh, the agenda there? I know you, you've gotten started here. You've got next phase athletic. Now, is that, a, uh, your personal training, like side training business? Yeah. So, I mean, that's not really a business yet. My wife keeps, um, keeps up, you know, like I get it, get it started. Right. <laughs> right. But, um, that, that's just like the kind of the name I like to use, you know, for my, you know, for my private clients and stuff like that. Oh, come train with um next phase athletics, right? Um, I thought that was kind of cool with phase, you know, because I triple jump, right? Right, um, right? But you know, that's that's um that is, yeah. I I eventually want it to be you know a club, um of of some sort with you know, high school jumpers or you know post collegiate jumpers or you know youth jumpers, whoever wants to you know be out there, right? Because I coach, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, I I coach you, you know, I coached um. I had the pleasure of coaching the Paralympian back when I coached at um, Pomona College. You know, I coached her. She jumped at jumped in Tokyo for the for the um, for the long jump for the awesome. Paralympic. Um, got fifth place, you know. I think you know probably could have done better, but that's another story for another time, you know. Right. But um, and then you know I coach um, you know elementary school kids, right? So it just it's it doesn't matter who you are, you know, as long as you're out there, you know, willing to you know get better. Right. That's that's all that's all I need from you. Um, so, yeah, so I eventually would would like it to be a club, you know, but just, you know, kind of going through that, you know, paperwork phase of how how to do that. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, you know, primarily primarily the club, you know, I would I would love for it to focus on, you know, jumps in the beginning. Right. Um, definitely venture out to the to the sprints and the hurdles, you know, because because I've always like I said, I've always been around track. Um, so I do have some experience with the, with the, with this, with the sprints, you know, personally, um, and, you know, from the hurdles just by kind of association, you know, I have one of my friends, um, was a, was a two-time Olympian, 400 meter hurdler, right? So kind of just being, being with him throughout our time at Mount Sac, you know, I kind of see like, you know, what, what hurdle workouts are like and definitely mm-hmm. talking with, with other coaches and everything like that, kind of picking their brains with that, um, because you know, even you know, I don't, I don't know everything, right? And I'm out of the shame to, to, to admit that, you know, because right. uh, you're. I feel like as a, as a coach, you know, we're always growing, always finding, finding new ways to, you know, um, do what we do. Um, but, but yeah, so I mean, I would love for it to, you know, focus on jumps for, you know, the first, first couple, first, um, first couple of years or first couple of months or whatever, how, however fast it grows and then kind of kind of branch out to you know sprints and hurdles um stuff like that 
Yeah. Well, that's a great, uh, I was just thinking you're, you're talking about, you know, always trying to get better and, and I'll just throw this out. If you've been listening for a while, you're listening to raise the bar, the sky high and fly jump cams podcast. We're talking with Ryan Sanders of next phase athletics and the, the jumps and assistant coach at, uh, Soka athletics, Soka university. Uh, that's technically down in Irvine, right? Is it Irvine ish? Yeah. It's, it, Irvine is a big city. It's in Aliso Viejo. Aliso Viejo. Yeah. Yeah. The hills there. I like that it's the the tracks out here are are great. These uh smaller venues I've been bouncing in and out of both you guys. Um, you know, the one we were at the other day, Concordia, mm-hmm. Westmont, you know, all these beautiful colleges with nice tracks that you kind of wander around till you find. Yeah. <laughs> You're always in this nice little area with trees and you know, in the backdrop, it's it's nice, but um I, I was just thinking again that uh, here on Raise the Bar, that was my quest, you know, was to become better, you know, at whatever you're doing. And uh, Instagram helped me a lot in that respect. I, I give a lot of credit there just because I'm always looking like I'm a visual learner for sure. Mm-hmm. And I see stuff that I, I'm looking at. And I'm like, wow, that's really that's pretty good. You know, and I'll, I steal liberally drills and then, you know, I'll try them out. And then there's other times when I'm I am. I think I've invented a lot of drills, but it's like that invention is not like, I think I need to invent a drill. It's like, you're trying to get your athlete to yeah. something out, something that you understand, but you try it, you tell them the one way that you learned it and they look at you and they try it and it doesn't work. And you're like, okay, okay. Now what? Because mm-hmm. I know how important this concept is. Like for me, the knee drive up and across to the, you know, the opposite yeah. shoulder, the opposite hip huge and so many struggle with that you know i'm like okay is it is it the knee itself doing that is the curve that does it you know what is it and so i'm i'm always trying to come up with ways to tilt the athlete away from the bar Mm. and think about jumping away from the bar and that has led to you know all kinds of different things but um that search uh to become a better coach better athlete is is what we're talking about and when you said um you know, starting up a track club. That's when my brain started to go fuzzy on me because I've had that same, you know, thing now. I've been doing this business for five or six years now. I remember the reason I started doing sky high and fly jump camps was I didn't want to teach summer school anymore at the high school level. Mm -hmm. It's like if I can do something that I really enjoy and do it throughout the year and it makes me the same amount of money, (laughs) I go, yeah, yeah. And I don't have to do summer school. So that was my first motivation. But since then, you know, it's grown, but I'm, you know, from, from all three jumps and now the pole vault and now working with a sprinter, um, I'm realizing that everything that we're talking about is explosive, you know, explosive speed and power and, you know, quickness and agility and all those things. And it's like, you know, sprints, hurdles, jumps, you know, almost everything out on the track is explosive in nature, you know, and, and people say, oh, no, what, what when you get to the the mile, and t- I'm like, you'd be surprised. <laughs> mm. It'd be pretty explosive as well, right? You know, you watch at the elite level, somebody that runs, you know, the mile is no longer jog three laps and yeah, jockey mm. position and, and then <laughs> run that last lap, right? It's like, it's a whole nother animal, but um so what do you use for your um, kind of, you're talking about the way that you, you were coached 
And I, I found that interesting because I wonder why it is my brain always goes back overs and then short approach and working back out. Like I'll mm -hmm. start from zero steps. And actually, I, I, I don't know if I invented the zero step drill, but I, and Elias never did that with us, but it seemed to me like a natural progression because we always went back overs, one, three, five, the whole curve. And then maybe we would get back to straight approach, but I don't remember doing a lot of full approach jumping in practice, which yeah. sounds weird to people, but it's like, I remember that by the time we would get all the way back to full approach, there was only one or two of those in there. If mm. you, you were going to keep going because we did so many of the shorts and, you know, short approaches aren't that bad as far as wear and tear, but you know, yeah. it's still, it has its thing. So how was how it that you said, you know, uh, coach G, you know, taught you and, and you kind of use that as a framework, but explain that to us a little bit. How's that work when you're training? Yeah. Um, it, because me, with me and him um, and, you know, our, the, the training partners I had under him, it was a lot of bounding, you know, a lot of bounding, a lot of technique kind of work. So I am a I am a technician through and through when it comes to both myself competing and my athletes. A lot, a lot of a lot of technique. Um, and I've taken that, you know, kind of expounded upon that with with a lot of the stuff I do with my with my long, long and triple jumpers and high jumpers as well. Um we do we for long jump we work a lot on the takeoff um because i feel like the takeoff is is the most important thing in the, in the long jump right um is the, the takeoff the takeoff includes you know the angle that you're taking off at the the, the right positions you're hitting and the speed at the board right um so we work a lot on that a lot on takeoff angles a lot on running off the board um because you can let's let's say we have somebody like a guy his his pr is and the hundred is eleven two, right? Which is, which is, um, which is, which is pretty good, pretty quick. Um, let's say you're coming down the runway at at eleven two, you know, but you hit you you hit you hit the board wrong. The worst case scenario is you injure yourself, right? Um, second case is you'll hydroplane, right? Jump, just run right off the board, not got go anywhere because you have no height, or you jump too high, right? And then also not right. go anywhere, right? So definitely making sure we have the right angles, you know, off off the takeoff you know that's going to make or break your jump right there's not much you can do in the air that's really going to change that the only thing you can do is fight fight for rotation even the hang technique or the hitch kick or the right um when they have hitch kick you know there's not much you can do um but it's really all going to be in my eyes about that takeoff making sure that takeoff is you know is sound when it comes to speed right. off the board off the board um for triple jump the biggest um difference i see between you know elite jumpers and and good jumpers and just starting jumpers is, is the transition from first to second phase um because that's always a hard one to do right because you're hopping off one leg and you hop back on that same leg so making sure you have that transition that's that's where um the bounding comes in comes into play i always i always teach my athletes how to bound it doesn't matter if you are if you come in as a, a high school 40 foot triple jumper or you're just starting, right? We're going to learn how to bound correctly um, because that's what's going to, you know, get you to where you want to be. So just learning how to bound correctly, you know, solves almost every problem in triple jump because that's all right. triple jump is. Triple jump is just is bounding, right? Keep right. trying to maintain your speed on the runway and bounding three times into the pit. Um, you know, you know, I try not to make it, 
And I say I try. I try not to make it rocket science, but you know, it, it always ends up being rocket science because there's many different, many, many, many different nuances that you that you kind of have to um have to hit, you know, properly for it to be a success, successful jump. Yeah. Obviously, you have like different things you could do, like single arm, double arm, power jumpers versus speed jumpers and stuff like that. But um, but there are certain you know things you have to do correctly to be successful. But there is a, there is some room for you know kind of interpretation right. in there um because definitely you have you have me at five seven um you know with shoes on as a triple number right you also <laughs> you also have these you know also also these every, every it seems like every time i'm competing you know i'm always competing against people that are six three long legs and stuff like that right so definitely their their um path to you know 16 meters is a lot different than my path to 16 meters so you know i and i realize that and i realize that with myself and i realize that with the athletes that i coach um <clears throat> but but it's really just a, just about um relationship building with the athletes you know because then that builds trust with the athletes and then as long as you're is is when your athletes trust you they trust in the training that you're that you're giving them you know so um and then with a lot of a lot with a lot of athletes um that i have you know it's it's much more of a, a team effort you know it's not just me barking yeah. orders or telling them they're going to do this if they if they if they see something that's that's not working they don't think something that's working you know i oh i welcome that that dialogue right because you know our it's our job to make you do your best or better um yeah. and, and we'll do that by how by any any ways that we need to do um so i'm never um a cocky or a conceited coach or anything like that because <laughs> because I know I don't I don't know everything so I always try to tailor um my training to to the athlete that I'm working with you know at the time but yeah. but it's really just all about a lot of a lot of technique kind of kind of work that that I do with my with my jumpers now, and hurdlers yeah yeah uh, you were mentioning uh the bounding and uh, mm -hmm. that's where my brain <clears throat> goes to you know, same things working with Elias. He, we did a lot of triple jump bounding, even as high jumpers. I remember doing seven, you know, single leg repeats and you would put your shoe down, you know, you would run onto a line, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, put your shoe down and then just try to beat that, you know, like seven repeats. Yeah. Leg, strong leg. Um, I learned how to switch bound. I know I have still to this day, not once have I ever run up and tried it, the triple. I, I avoided it like the plague. I was just mm -hmm. like, because my shins were always killing me. And yeah. so I was like, I there was no way you're going to get me to take three jumps in one. I was going to yeah. take one jump in one. So my, my question is both former athlete and coach for you with, you know, when you're talking about bounding and how important it is. Um, and for those of you listening out there, you may be wondering the same thing. If you're sitting there right now, holding your shins in pain and thinking, God, I don't want to do any more bounding today or, or even for a couple of weeks. Um, how do you go about that, Ryan? And, you know, you're, you were talking about, I think the, the triple jump has got to be one of the most technical events that I've seen. Because <clears throat> every time I watch it, I realize how little I know. But, you know, how, what do you do to teach the technique where the kids don't end up with their shins being blasted into powder? Like, what's mm -hmm. the most important thing that you do? Yeah. Um, well, listen to listen to your athletes really is is number one, um, because my thing is 
if if an athlete, if an athlete that I'm coaching has an injury, you know, 15 times out of 10, I've had that same injury, right? So I know what to do with it. I know how to deal with it um, because, you know, I've had that, right? But the athletes that you're, that you're dealing with, you you can't feel what they feel, you know? So, and then sometimes you have athletes that are over, over, um, over sharing, they vocalize everything, right? And you have some athletes that you ask, um, oh, how are you, how are you feeling today? How's your ankle today? How are your shins today? They're fine, right? And in, in, in my head, I have the face of the exact person I'm talking about, right? Because um, sometimes you, you don't know what they're, what they're saying, right? But you have to listen to your, your athletes and see kind of just how, how the training is going. If, if they seem, you know, off, there's probably a reason. Like, oh, it, your shins hurt, blah, blah, blah. Um, you find out. But um, one thing that you want to do is you want to, for, for the fall, if you, if you guys are training in the fall or you guys just start in the, in spring, I know because some high school athletes, they start sure. in January, right? Yeah. Um, you want to start your, your bounding, you know, as, as soon as you can, you know, and slowly ramp up um, because shin splints are, you know, it, that's, it's like an overuse kind of, kind of injury. Um, so the, the sooner you can, you know, kind of um, get your body to experience that, you know, for lack of a better term, trauma, right, to your shins, um, the better you're going to be able to, you know, adapt to that. Um, so really it's going to be about, you know, starting that early because definitely, um, you know, if I, if I give, you know, a coach or an athlete, you know, my kind of the bounding drills that, that, that I do and they go do those like five times a week, you know, after not doing any bounding or, or beforehand, right. Yeah. Of course your shin's going to be hurting after that because you're going from zero to a hundred, you know, right. like in the, in a matter of days. So definitely, you know, kind of building your your body's immunity to that kind of constant like pounding you know will be will be very beneficial for you um other than that right really making sure you're you're you know you're staying flexible with it within your lower leg area your calves and stuff like that mm-hmm. um because we yeah because we don't want to get to the point where, where we need to you know kind of rehab but there is something you can do that when i did that I did in high school i think yeah i did in high school um, for every warm up, we would do like band exercises, like with our shins and I mm-hmm. never got shin splints, you know? So, so I think kind of just being aware of that it could happen and being, being, um, proactive about it, you know, right. it's definitely something you don't, you don't want to wait till it, till it happens. Right. Because when it happens then you're out of, then you're out of, um, training for, for a couple of days. Um, and the whole thing, my whole thing about injuries is right. People, um, always think you want to be injury free, right? So you can compete, you know, like, oh, I gotta, I can't have my hamstring, you know, strained because I gotta compete, you know. Right. But the way you need to think about it is you need to be injury free so you can train, you know, because you right. get better when you're training. You don't get better at the meet. So you want to be injury free so you can so you can train and get better so you can compete well at the meet. You know, so right. Um, but definitely, yeah, that that's um, that's something that I would really say is start it early, you know, so your body can build that kind of immunity to it. Now, is it as simple as something too as um, <clears throat> you know, the dorsiflexion plantar flexion issue? I know a lot of a lot of athletes, yeah. you know, are mm-hmm. toes down. Yes, you know, how to pull their toes up while they're both while they're sprinting, and yeah, you know, when it comes to bounding now this is a, a real technical question but again for those uh triple jumpers out there and we haven't we haven't talked a lot of uh triple jump on raise the bar which you may be thinking it's only only high jumpers but um mm-hmm. uh tomorrow's guest is uh um uh 
the guy from um, Team Hootie uh, Pole Vault. So we're going to talk triple jump and long jump today with Ryan and high jump and sprints and hurdles since you're so versatile. And then tomorrow we're going to talk pole vault. But, you know, raising that bar both in the event itself and then, you know, pushing your athletes um, when when you're teaching them, you know, that how is it like, is it is it heel toe? Because I was always mm. heel toe, heel toe for sure. High jump and long jump. But in triple, is it only on the first phase? Because after that, I always think anytime I put my heel down, I'm almost hitting the brakes. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. So how does that work when you're triple jumping, getting off the so, board? You were talking so that transition from first phase earlier. So yeah, yeah. Curious. So what I, what I have my athletes do is when I'm teaching them the bounding drills, because I have a, uh, a variety of kind of bounding drills in my bounding repertoire, I guess. So one thing I do is I do just a simple B skip, right? B skip. But everything we're doing is with a triple jump landing. So a flat footed landing. So do a B skip and do a B skip with kind of like a skip in between. Um, I can send you the video and, and but you can right, speak, right. like, so it's like six drills, but what I do to kind of cue them to land, because definitely with triple jump, you want to land flat footed, right? When you're sprinting, obviously you land on the, on the balls of your feet. So, so you can get off the ground as fast as you can. Um, but for, for triple jump, when you want to land flat footed, you want to land flat footed with both the transition from first to second and the transition from second to third. Right. Um, you never want to land on your toes because when you land on your toes, Two things happen. So you land on your toes, and your head. There needs to be a time where you where. So my hands, my hands the floor, and my foot is the. So you land on your toes. It's going to take time for your heel to hit the ground, and then you're off. When you land flat footed, you can go off immediately. So right. I obviously that is milliseconds, right? But the more time you spend on the ground, the slower you're going to go. So you want to get off the ground as fast as you can. So what I teach my athletes when they were doing those bounding drills is to push off your heel, right? And the only way to push off your heel is if your heel is on the ground, you can't push off your heel if you land mid foot, you know? So mm -hmm. I tell them to push off, push off with their heel. Um, that kind of gets them um, kind of the feeling of what it's supposed to feel like. Um, so I do that. I never say lead with your heel because I don't get people that stick their heel out into the ground and stuff like that. I always say, make sure you push off, push, push off with your heel. Right. Um, and that, and then they'll, they'll kind of, they'll kind of get that. They'll, it'll be a natural pawing action at the ground with that, with trying to push off, push off a heel. Um, but then, you know, that, that allows them to get off the ground as fast as possible and also utilize all the legs and the muscle that you need to, to, you right. know, be efficient in the triple jump, right? Cause you land also the second thing we, we land on your toes, right? You just have your, your calves, right? Working. You don't have anything else, but when you land on your heel, you have your, your glutes, your hamstrings, your thighs, everything. Yeah. Forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, it's interesting too, that, that idea, I think of hitting on the toes off the board too, is that uh, it would seem to me, it would be counterproductive to have that contraction of your calf muscle for bounding. Cause it seems to me like it's got to contract and get tighter when you want it to stretch. Right. So if I pull my toes up and I'm landing either heel first, which you said, you know, no good, but even flat, there's, I'm not going to be up on my toe and therefore not contracting that calf muscle to do mm. what it does. Right. So what I, I learned, even I took karate back when I was 12 years old, because I was getting beat up at school. And my mom said, yeah, you got to take some karate lessons. You know, learn how to fight. I said, okay. Mm. So I remember seeing my first Bruce Lee movie, right. Cause this is 1972. I was eight years old. And when I started watching that was Bruce Lee. And then four years later, taking karate lessons. I remember thinking about this, but Bruce Lee was always, he was into that 
you know, he'd be like really, really tense, like, oh, mm. and you'd see him every fiber straining, you know, and then he'd throw his punch. And I remember my instructor said, you know, that's kind of the opposite of what you want to do. You don't want to be tense and mm. try fast because you're you're contracting the muscle and then you're asking it to move. And it it's much, you know, you'd see guys go like this, and boom, that hand just flies out, you know, or you see the guy yeah. go like this. It's like, I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. Uh, and you can barely move. So, you know, that contraction to me would seem to be counterproductive as opposed to landing with that toe, like you said, on the heel, on the flat or whatever, but at least that muscle stretched as mm. with the toe up as I hit, then it's ready to. to yeah, that exactly. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm greatly interested. I, I, um, I, my tutelage under uh, Elias was was quite a bit ago now, and I do tend to get into periods that are high jump only. So I'm always, I need refreshers. So <laughs> I am uh, more than happy to look. I can always scour your your page, but I, I would appreciate the, uh, the sequences that you have in your head. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. uh, knowing, knowing the, the lineage that you come from of, of a great coach and and the application to yourself. And then, you know, you're sharing it with your athletes that, and putting your old, your own spin on it. That's, that's where things get really interesting. So that would be awesome. Well, Hey, Ryan, I, uh, I greatly appreciate your time. You came straight from workout and gave us, uh, of yourself. And, um, it's, it's fun watching you work your, your demeanor. Every time I see you, I know you've got a great rapport with your kids. And like you said, I've never seen a, an instance of ego, out of you i see a lot of you know chin hand on your chin and, and mm. introspection most of the time and i i can see your the wheels spinning and you're trying to find a way to get it to your athletes and i and I, I love watching you work so um we appreciate your time here with us today um you got anything you want to plug before we we say goodbye uh no i'm just just um you what one thing, one um, one thing I'm reading the book because I'm doing a master's program now at Concordia, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing I read in a book is um, something about something about motivation. Like, I, it's it's leaving my head, but it's it's really about you want to, you want to. It's easier to you know do the work now and not regret it later. Um, I I. I'm, the quote is leaving my head but really but but i mean in short story right is make sure that with you're an athlete right make sure you're make sure you're doing the work that you need to in the fall right to be where you want to be all of right. all the work happens in the fall you don't just show up at the track meet and run you know 10 5 or you don't just show up and jump 24 feet you know all that stuff kind of happens in the past right it's it's a lot easier to um, I but the close leaving, but you get the idea, right? Yeah. Just, just, um, just make sure, yeah, you're you're doing the hard work. If you're if you're in school, make sure you are, you know, hitting the books as hard as you're hitting the weight room or hard as hard as you're hitting the field, um, because that'll take you a long way, you know, because it's, it's really it's really your your future that you're kind of you're dealing with right now um is if if you want the future that you envision right you gotta make sure you're you set yourself up for that future and that, that all happens all happens now right it's never too late to to get started right. so but yeah so that's 
That's all I have. I had a, a good friend, and before we sign off, um, Anthony Gaines, who coached the defensive backs with me at, at Norta Vista one season. We went to the uh, CIF championship game back in 2012. Little shout out. Um, we're, we're brothers from another mother. We have the same. He's Anthony Gaines, and I was uh, Troy Anthony Haynes. So um, he, he would always say, he says, uh, talent beats uh, or hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Right. And that's kind of that same idea, you know, that, that hard work does more. I've seen some people that are, are given many less gifts, but they work and they have that desire and they, they train and they learn and they grow. And you've got those other people that they're just really talented for something. And and it's, it's almost too easy for them, you know, and they don't see the reason to work hard because they always win. Like you said, they can show up, and and just do it you know and and be good at it and then you know the playing field always changes so you can dominate at a certain level you step up to the next level and and maybe you're still good enough to dominate there you know but there's always another level and you step up to that to a certain level and all of a sudden everybody's just as talented as you but they also work hard you know i think of tiger woods um, you know, insanely talented, obviously God reached down and gave him a thunderbolt of talent mm-hmm. for golf. I mean, the guys on Johnny Carson at three years old swinging a club, yeah. you know? And so, and, and then he's not only is he talented, but he works like nobody's ever seen, you know, Kobe Bryant was, had an insane work ethic, right? Get mm-hmm. up at three in the morning, hit the gym, work out, shoot a thousand jump shots and be there for three hours before the teammates even showed up, you know? And then yeah. he's, there you know and you just like well that's that's pretty amazing not only was he talented but he you know he worked harder than most people so uh my amendment to that statement was you know hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard but then i said but when talent works hard everybody's screwed <laughs> so, mm, that's good i like that yeah, all right good. well hey ryan again thanks for your time i see you wiping the sleep out of your eyes you can get a little rest <laughs> here between uh workouts and and all the other crazy things in your schedule um yep. your daughter's birthday is the same as my mom so oh. happy birthday we just celebrated my mom's 77th birthday I'm oh sure. nice congratulations 18 years old and i'm yeah she should be 77 this year so she still plays tennis three times a week she's got a better motor than i do so yeah <laughs> all right sir thanks again all right and uh, we'll definitely see one of these upcoming weekends. I don't think I have a meet this weekend, but the probably the weekend following is that Pomona Pits. Are you guys going to Pomona? No, we're actually going to Whittier. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So but well, we'll see each other, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right, yeah. sir. Thanks again, Ryan. All right. Thank you. All right. And let's see. Here we go. And... And that wraps it up with Ryan Sanders here on Raise the Bar. Uh, I'm your host, Troy Haynes, signing off. I want to say thanks again to Ryan um, for sharing his valuable time and uh, all his insights into the long and triple and uh, the hurdles. Um, Just a great guy. Love watching him work with his kids. And uh, he still has some uh, dreams and aspirations of competing. So I want to wish him all the best on that. And uh, until next time, that will do it here on Raise the Bar. It's Troy Haynes signing off. We'll talk next time.